Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week we saw that fleshly hearts and fleshly mindsets uh, are not good things, of course. The Sadducees had that, and they were this group of religious people that were completely off. Like the Pharisees, like the uh, scribes, these, these guys were completely off because they were more set on their will, they were more set on their agenda, what they wanted to do, their own selfish desires, rather than truly seeking after God. And uh, again, we saw a lot of things in this, and what was the scenario, or the scenario that was presented, was this hypothetical, extremely hypothetical situation that they brought to Jesus. They asked Jesus uh, about this man who had married a wife, who had died without having any children. His brother married him, and the other seven brothers came along and did the same exact thing following the same path, marrying the same woman, dying without children, and the question was, whose wife is she in the resurrection? If Moses said that that's what the law was, and they were all the brothers, uh, the the brothers supposed to marry uh, the wife so that there could be a seed follow after him, and none of them had a seed, all of them died, then if there is a resurrection, then whose wife is she if all eight of these men married the same exact woman? And the reason why this was their trap was because, again, they were so fleshly in their minds, so fleshly in their hearts, uh, and it was not done out of sincerity. It was done out of spite. Uh, It was very clearly done in spite. It was done to try to make Jesus look like a fool, try to make Jesus stumble, uh, trap him in in this scenario. It was done because they didn't believe the resurrection. They themselves had no desire Uh, to follow Jesus' teachings. They were simply, again, set on their agenda, set on their will, and trying to trap Jesus Jesus with this. Uh, Jesus not only taught that there was a resurrection, but very clearly he declared that he was the resurrection and the life. And that's so important for us to understand because when we look at what Jesus was doing, he was bringing life. And if, if death is the consequence of sin, which the Bible tells us it is, Jesus comes and is that solution to sin, to death, saying that he's the resurrection and the life. And so, um, often a good test for where our hearts are and our minds are is this. And here's something for all of us to take this morning. Are we acting, speaking, thinking in spite or in sincerity? And, And if we're honest with ourselves, we know when we're doing that. We know when we're acting or thinking or talking in a spiteful way or in a sincere way. You know, you, you know when this happens, you can, you can do it when uh, that person is, has made you mad, when you're trying to get your, your, your will accomplished, just like the Sadducees. But this is a good test for where our hearts are. And I want, to, I want you to note, note this, being sincerely spiteful doesn't count for good either. I, 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 was, I was extremely sincere in my spitefulness. No, that's not good. Um, I'm sure that these Sadducees were, were just as sincere in their spite as well. Uh, but I want to pray this morning, and I want to see what God has for us, because Jesus is going to answer their question and give us the answer to this question, but also teach us some things along the way. So let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you in song. Thank you for um, just giving us this great privilege and the freedom in this nation uh, to worship you freely 
and to read your word, to study your word, to be taught in your word, to preach your word, and to respond to your word. I pray that this morning uh, we would allow you to work in our hearts, that the Spirit would have full reign and in this place, God, that you would be present, that you would be exalted, uh, Lord, that you would uh, move in, in a great way. Uh, Lord, we want you uh, to be the center. Lord, I pray that you would remove me, that re you would remove anything that would take away from what your word uh, is today and what you want to do through your word. And Lord, help us just to respond again in the right way. Uh, Lord, we pray that if there's someone here that is lost, they've never come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They, they don't, maybe they've never heard that you love them so much you sent your only son to die in their place for their sins so that they wouldn't have to pay for their sins themselves. That he rose again on the third day to give life to anyone who would call upon his name uh, for salvation. Lord, if there's someone here like that, I pray they wouldn't leave this place uh, without surrendering their life to you and ex accepting that free gift of salvation. Lord, just move now. We'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 20, we're going to pick up in verse 34. It says, And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. For he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Now, this, this is an awesome thing because in this instance, Jesus actually answers their question directly. And I say this because there's going to be instances, or there have been instances, and there will be instances that Jesus responds to someone's question or someone's challenge with a story. Sometimes he, like a parable, sometimes he has responded or he'll respond with a question to their question. And then there have been times, and of course, there's going to be times that we see in this journey that Jesus doesn't answer at all. He has no response to their question. But his answer was very clear in what they were saying. And, and I think it was important because, uh, you know, we all, I think, have some type of uh, question like this in our minds at some point in our life. You know, well, I'm married now. I have kids now. Once we die and once we go to heaven, what does that look like? What, what, what does that look like? Once I, once I pass from this life, this temporal world, and I, and I, and I open my eyes and I, I, I walk into eternity and, and there I am forever, what's it going to be like? Again, a, a, a real question would be, you know, maybe we've had people in here that have been uh, married and, and lost a spouse and, and, and have remarried. And, and, and so then when you get to heaven and, and everybody was saved, okay, so whose who's husband, whose wife uh, am I in that situation? Uh, and so Jesus, again, for, for clarity's sake, uh, answers their question for them and for us today. And he makes it very clear, number one, there will be no marriage in the resurrection. This age is completely different from the age to come in that regard. Number two, he says this, that when people are resurrected, once we, once we are, uh, you know, dead or, or these bodies go to sleep or whatever, um, and we open our eyes in eternity, that we become like the angels because we're the children of God, children of the resurrection. Now, I want to point this out. No, note this because there's a lot of people that have, even in Christendom, who, who 
claim Jesus Christ, who go to church, who think that when we die, we become angels. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus wasn't saying that we become angels when we die. He said we become like them. This, is, this likeness is talking about this immortality, the fact that the angels don't marry, the angels don't procreate, the angels are messengers and servants and worshipers of God in eternity. And so when we come from this temporal realm into that eternal realm, we will be like them in this regard. So marriage won't be needed. Marriage, marriage won't be uh, the same as, as it is now in this temporal world. This temporal world was set in motion with us as humans and God ordained marriage, and then he gave Adam and Eve the responsibility to multiply uh, on this earth. There won't be that need in heaven. That will be the culmination of the fruit of this world. Um, and so, again, that's what he was saying. Number three is this. As much as the Sadducees thought that they were right, in their minds, they were wrong. And, 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 and I want us to get that because there are many times we can think that we are so right. But we, are, well, we are so wrong. But we, 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 we think in our minds, well, well, this is what I think. This is what I believe. And yet we're so off. Again, Jesus used their own example in Moses to show them. His example was that Moses at the burning bush called him God and called him the God of the present, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He wasn't referring to a past relationship. He was talking about the present, omnipresent God. His answer was full of truth because he was full of truth, because he was truth. He would eventually say that in John chapter 14, verse 6. Many of you know the verse. Jesus answered and said unto them, I'm the way, or Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the truth. Point number one is this. When we speak, let us speak truth. Jesus, again, had some, some things about his response that were so important for us to gather. Uh, he could have said anything to them. He could have, he could have uh, talked down to them uh, because he was God. And, and, and whether in our minds we say that's just or, or, or not just, he was God. He had the right to do whatever he wanted to do in that moment. But his response to them was full of truth. And again, we can get off in this. We can begin to... Uh, try to work things out for ourselves. We can begin to try to make things happen for ourselves, and we can, we can get off on the wrong path by not speaking truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says this, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man, look at that next word, truth with his neighbor. And here's the reason why the last part says, because we are members one of another. The Bible tells us that, that the body of Christ is like our physical bodies. And when our physical bodies are hurting, there's one member that's hurting. If I, if I hit my hand so much that it damages it and it needs attention, but I, my other, the other parts of my body don't give any attention to it, just uh, are, are, are against it, then it could do more damage. Uh, and similarly, when we don't speak truth with each other, we damage the body of Christ. We damage the members. And so it's so important for us to speak truth when we, when we speak we need to speak truth. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says this, For he that will love life and see good days, here it is, let him refrain his tongue from evil in his lips that they speak no guile, that they speak no deceit. To speak truth, though, we have to know truth. 
And again, the, this is where the Sadducees were off. They, they thought they had what was truth, but, but it was not truth. It wasn't because they found that there. It was because they grabbed something that suited what they wanted, and they applied it to their life the way they wanted it applied. And again, we see this all across uh, the world today. People grabbing what they want and making that truth for their life. Uh, it, it's, a sad, it's a sad conversation that you can have with someone when they say, well, I think that it's okay to do this because the Bible says this, and it's just this part of a verse that's taken completely out of context. Or they say, I don't think it's that big of a deal if you do this or that because they take this clip and sometimes it's not even a clip of Scripture. Sometimes it's because, well, so-and-so said this, or so-and-so does this or doesn't do that. We recently talked about this as well, that knowledge is absolutely vital. Knowledge is essential for us to live a victorious Christian life. However, knowledge alone can be tremendously dangerous. I use the example Tuesday evening of a firearm and a child. You can walk up to a child and you can have a firearm in your hand and you can hand that child a firearm and you can tell them, this is a gun, and then walk away. And they have that gun in their hand. They have knowledge that that is a gun. But without that child having more than just that knowledge, it's extremely dangerous. They have to understand what that means. They have to understand what's in their hand, what's the potential. Not only all of that, they have to understand how to handle that gun. Because used in the right way, with the right knowledge and the right understanding of that firearm, it can be very helpful, very useful. But again, without that understanding, it can be very, very dangerous, not only to someone else, but to the child themselves. So what has to happen? They have to be taught. They have to handle it with proper application of what they're taught, the hows and the whys of firearm operation and, and safety. Again, or something terribly bad can happen. And the same is true with many Christians today, or maybe many professing Christians today. They're equipped with a whole bunch of knowledge, but never take the time, or they never turn that corner of grasping the hows and whys so they never take that next step of understanding, application of that knowledge in their lives. And so they can become very dangerous to the cause of the kingdom. Again, people get on Facebook, they get a little bit of knowledge, they put it out there, and it can be very dangerous. So somebody has a conversation with somebody at work, and they can just have, it can be very dangerous with just that knowledge. So for us today, we've got to seek truth. For us We've got to seek truth, and that truth is only found in God's Word. And this is what sets us apart. Jesus prayed this in John chapter 17, that the truth would be what sets us apart. The truth is what would, would consecrate us unto God. Verse 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, study to show thyself approved unto God. That word study means be diligent. Be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. But look at that next statement, rightly dividing... The word of truth. John 16, verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of 
truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. Because he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. James chapter 1, verse 5. We've read this recently. It says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth come a knowledge and understanding. We've already seen through this study, and Jesus has taught that whatever comes out of the mouth is what is in the heart. The Sadducees, again, offering to Jesus this scenario out of spite. This was because it was already in their minds. It was already in their hearts. They were trying it with an evil heart. They were trying to trap the God that so loved them that came to this earth to die for them. And the wickedness and the evilness of their heart came, come out. Lacking truth. Luke chapter 6, this is where Jesus said it, a good man out of the good treasure, which means a treasury or a deposit account. This account, this well, is where someone gets this. Out of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasury or the evil deposit account of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, because out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. See, when we, when we speak in, 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 our, in our day-to-day lives, what we do is we make a withdrawal from the deposit account that's in our hearts. Well, how does that account get full? That account gets full by the associations that we have. The, 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 the account gets full by the things that we watch, the things we listen to. So what we've deposited... What gets cultivated, what we've stored up and saved and reserved is drawn from and then poured out. Theodore echoed this and he said this, remember that the tongue speaks only what is in the heart. You know, if we're we're honest, there's those times that that we, we say those things and we mean them with, with our heart, but, but, but we say on the backside of it, I'm just kidding. We could, we could say, I mean, you could honestly say pretty much whatever you want to say, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of that disclaimer, that, that way out for us to, to, to save face and stuff. We can, we can say, you're the lousiest person I know in the world. Just kidding. <laughs> or it could get even worse. I mean, you could, you could say spiteful things, and then you can just change your expression, and you can, you can say, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Great. Great. But again, we've got to remember, if we have good treasure, or if we're putting good things into the deposit of our heart, that's what our mouth's going to pour out. If we put or have evil treasure in our hearts, that's what the mouth will pour out. Pour out. Robert Layton said, the cure of an evil tongue must be done at the heart. The weights and wheels are there, and the clock strikes according to their motion. A guileful heart makes a guileful tongue and lips. It's the workhorse where is the forge of deceits and slanders, and the tongue is only the outer shop where they are vended and the door of it. 
Such ware is made within, such and no other can come out. Again, if we're putting in evil, if we're associating with evil, if we're pouring in the evil, we can only expect those things to come out. Again, I've had many conversations with people before, and, and, and none of us are perfect, but uh, if we're going to watch all kinds of filth and junk in this world, and we're going to listen to that stuff, listen, our flesh doesn't need a whole lot of help. But when we put that stuff in, that's exactly what's going to come out. So the truth is this, when we seek God's truth, and we put the truth of God's word in our hearts, that should be what comes out. Because again, the default of our flesh is deceit. The, the way that all of us go in our flesh, in our own ways, is deceit. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's our hearts by themselves. That's our hearts in, in the flesh. Yes, when we get saved, we're made new. The old man's passed away. All things have become new. But the body of this flesh, the Bible says, knows what sin is. And unless we do as Colossians chapter 3 says, we're going to do exactly what the Sadducees did. We're going to follow our flesh and do damage. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, If you've been risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And listen to verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. The, the, the parts of your body that, 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 that can be pulled with, with, with flesh and, and, and can operate that way, mortify them. Every single day, kill the members of your body that can pull you away to sin. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, says this, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And then listen to what he says here. You used to live like that, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now you also put off all these. Here he says. So here's, here's the life you used to live, full of these things, and you also used to live with all of these things in your life. Anger, wrath, blasphemy, uh, uh, malice, filthy communication out of your mouth. And then he says this, lie not to one another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So again, we see this conscious effort made to not lie but to speak truth, not to give in to the, the, the fleshly heart, not to have this evil, uh, old-natured man controlling what we say, but making concentrated efforts to do this, to keep that old man, that old nature killed, and to feed and fuel and fill the new man with truth. His, his response to these Sadducees were not only... It wasn't only full of truth, but it was also full of grace. And point number two is this. When we speak, let us speak with grace. Matter of fact, Colossians, same, same book, the next chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer every man. The word grace here means graciousness or gratifying. A manner or an act. 
The definition goes on to say it's the divine influence of the heart and it's a reflection in the life, including gratitude. The further definition says this, it's acceptable, it's a benefit, it's favor, it's, it's a gift, it's gracious, it's joy, it's liberality, it's pleasure, it's thankworthiness. So in our human minds, we might think in, in the flesh, these, these Sadducees who were malicious in their intent, that they deserved a piece of Christ's mind. I mean, this is, this is kind of what we think sometimes and even what we say sometimes. When somebody does something or says something, we can have this mind or this statement. Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? Christ, Christ could have said that to them. He, he could have responded to them, who do you think that you are? He could, have, he, he could have asked them, who do you think that I am? He, he could have come across that way. He could have been, uh, you know, assertive or, or, or whatever the case may be. But we see in Christ that he never returned to evil for evil. That he never returned spite for spite. He never turned an accusation to an accusation. He never returned to railing for railing, reviling for reviling, and he never returned an attack for an attack. And that may be one of the hardest things for us to do in our Christian lives. When somebody attacks us, well, well let, let's stop here. When somebody attacks our loved one. That's right. That's right. You know, it, it's the, the similar response that Peter had, right? When, when, they, when, when they came to take Jesus, what did Peter do? Peter chopped off the guy's ear. Look, don't mess with my Lord. Don't mess with my loved one. And, and that's kind of the mindset that we have today too. You can mess with me all day long, just don't mess with my wife. Just don't mess with my kids. Just don't, you know, that's, that's kind of our mindset. But again, Jesus' example shows us that he didn't return evil for evil. He didn't respond Spiteful, even though they were approaching him spiteful. First Peter chapter 2 says this, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? Look, when you do something wrong and you get corrected for it, what does it say that you take it patiently? You take it like a big boy, take it maturely. That's, that's, that's the way it goes. When you do something wrong, you get corrected, you take it like a big, a big boy, big girl. But he goes on and he says this, But... If when you do well, when you do right, and you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. And then he explains why. Because here is what you were called to. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. Who did no sin, neither was guile, deceit found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And so when, when we get in those moments when, when we feel like, I, I'm going to vindicate the situation. I'm going to vindicate my loved one. I'm going to take care of this situation. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to once and for all tell this person how the cow eats the cabbage. Well, whatever the case may be, we need to remember Jesus Christ didn't even do that. He had all the, the ammunition of all of the knowledge of every single person and every single thing. He could have came back to these Sadducees with whatever he wanted to do, and he could have silenced them in his return attack, if you will. 
But he answered them with truth, and he answered them with grace. He didn't repay evil for evil. And so with this as our Lord being our example, when we see someone come at us or come at our loved one, our response should be grace, just like Christ. Why? Because we too should be committed to him who judges righteously. We should say, you know what? I'm going to follow Christ's footsteps. I'm going to respond with grace. I'm going to respond with truth. I'm not going to return evil for evil. I'm not going to come back at them. I'm going to try to tear them down. I'm not going to do those things because I'm committed to the one who, will, who every person will stand before one day. And I realize that I'll have to give an account for not just the words that I say in retaliation, but even the words that I say idly. This is essential, even and especially, I believe, in the body of Christ. And as much as, as, as we would think, this shouldn't be an issue. This shouldn't be an issue in the body of Christ where, where we have to worry about speaking truth or we have to worry about speaking graciously to each other in the body of Christ. But sadly, it is. Sadly, it's a problem within the body of Christ that people don't speak graciously to each other. We can act and we can speak to each other in a very ungracious way sometimes. Well, they, they did this, or they deserve this, or, or they didn't do this, and so I'm going to tell them how it goes. It's an issue. But that's why the Lord is awesome in giving us instructions. I, I love it. First Peter chapter 3 this next chapter, it says this in verse, uh, verse 8, finally, be ye all of one mind. And then look at this, having compassion one of another. And then he says this, love as brethren. Love like your family. And then he says, be pitiful. What does that mean? Be sympathetic. Be sympathetic and be courteous. And then he goes even further and he says this, not rendering evil for evil, not or, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. He says, when, whenever someone comes against you and, and gives you evil, return a blessing. When someone comes to you and is, is railing on you, return a blessing. Verse 10 says, because he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil in his lips that they speak no, no guile or deceit. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Again, we, we see such a great example, such great lessons, even in the body of Christ. Listen, if you've been a Christian and you've been a member of this church or any church for any amount of time, the sad reality, the sad truth is you've probably been hurt by somebody. Somebody's probably said something to you. Somebody probably didn't say something to you that you expected them to say. Somebody's probably hurt your feelings or been ungracious to you at some point in time. And the call that we have as Christians, as the children of God, is this, to return a blessing for that done against us. And if every single one of us are determined to do that, guess what we're going to have in this body? 
We're going to have peace and love pervading. It's going to be completely consuming this place. So I, I don't really like that. It makes me feel better whenever I tell somebody or give them a piece of my mind. And the pleasures of sin are for a season. That gratification happens right then, but it doesn't stay. And Jesus' response to these Sadducees who are being spiteful, being, being, being ugly, uh, trying to catch him with this hypothetical, extremely hypothetical situation, his response to them was absolute truth. His response to them was absolute grace. And similar to grace, number three, his, his response to them was absolute gentleness. So when we speak, let us speak with gentleness. Again, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you. Here it is. Here's the characteristics of our answers with meekness, which means gentleness, and fear, which means respect. So when someone comes to us, whether they are uh, completely ignorant, when I'm saying ignorant, I mean void of knowledge or asking a question, or somebody comes to us like the Sadducees did with, with Christ in a spiteful way, asking us a question, or, or whatever the situation may be, when someone comes at us, our response to mankind, especially within the house of God, should be with reverence, with respect, and with gentleness. And I'm afraid today there's a lot lacking in the area of respect. goes on to say having good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you, in other words, they're slandering you as evildoers, they may be ashamed or they may be put to shame that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. And I, I want to be clear on this. We can say a very spiteful thing and even a very hurtful thing, a very pointed dart in a gentle way and miss the point of gentleness altogether. So you could say something ugly in a real gentle way. You can say something very hurting in a gentle way. But that's not what gentleness is talking about. Gentleness is talking about humility and mildness. With both grace and gentleness, it's not just about us. It's not just, well, this is what I said or this is how I said it. With gentleness, it's also about considering the other person. Is this going to edify them? Is this going to build them up? Is this going to help them, or is this going to tear them down? You remember the test? Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? All of those. Before I say something, is it true? Absolutely it's true. But is it necessary? Well, I think it's necessary. Okay. I can tell by your attitude that it's not number three. <laughs> is not kind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You've heard this recently. Let no corrupt communication. Don't let anything that's going to be destructive or tear somebody down. Nothing evil proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I have to say this. There's been a lot of good done for the cause of Christ. On social media, 
Facebook. There's been a lot of good. There's no doubt in my mind. But just as much, and maybe if not more, has been a lot of damage done. And even damage done to the body of Christ. Damage done to the witness of Jesus Christ among the lost. And it can even happen in that passive-aggressive, vague, spewing out of venting that helps no one, including the person typing it. That helps no one. If, and I want to say this to you. If you get on Facebook and you feel like you've got to just let it out and, and, and you're going to be vague and, and, and call somebody out or some people out, don't do it. Take it to the Lord. Tell it to the Lord. And so I, 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 can't, I can't just do that. I've tried to do that. Well, then pray about it and have a heart of reconciliation and go to that person and make it right. Being ready to forgive and, and, and already forgiven in your heart and, and, and make that right. But don't get out there on, on Facebook as a witness and an ambassador, as a light of Jesus Christ, and, and put something so vague out there that anybody could take it as a negative towards them. That helps no one. That edifies no one. They say, yeah, but it got it off my chest. I feel a lot better. <laughs> it actually just hurt you. And your witness in the, in the peace and the unity within the body of Christ. I preached a long time ago uh, something that, that stuck with uh, several people that, that were here when they heard it. And, 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 I, and I said this statement over and over and over. They got that send button right there, that submit button, that okay button, whatever it is. I said, don't press it. <laughs> Just don't press it. Said, well, I'm going to... Tell them, they're going to hear from me. Don't press in. Don't press in. I realize that James tells us that the tongue is an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison, that it's set on fire of hell, that no man can tame it. That's what we read in James. That's why every single day we've got to make a concentrated effort and a choice to yield that little member that's set on fire that can do so much damage that it says, what a matter, a, a little fire kindled. You know, you look at the destruction and the wildfires out in California and, and along the, the northwest west region. You know, a lot of times those things are started by just a little, small, little flame. So much damage can be done with just a small, little use of this, this little member in our body. So we've got to make a conscious choice to, to yield that to the Lord. That's what Romans chapter 6 says. What, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. From this point forward, we don't serve sin like we did before we were in Christ. 
Because that for he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ be raised up from the dead dieth no more. The dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in he that for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, he said in the same way, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's what he says. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And again, as the people of God in Colossians chapter 3, it says this, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. That's that word gentleness again. Gentleness. Long-suffering. Here it is. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the glue of completeness, of perfectness. He says, you know what, if you'll just put on charity, if you'll just put on love, it'll bind you together in completion. But back in our text, how did these, these people respond as we close? The musicians can make their way. Jesus responded in truth. He responded in grace. He responded with gentleness. And what was the result? Verse 39 in our text. And certain of the scribes answered him, not the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, but the scribes answered him, said, Master, thou hast well, well said. Hey, we, we, we copy it down. We copy the scripture down. You said it exactly right. And then look at verse 40. After that, they didn't dare ask him any question at all. Once again, the wisdom of God silences the foolishness of God of man and so I, I, I want to challenge you this morning and encourage you at the same time how is your speech how do you talk to the body of Christ how, how do you talk to the lost how, how do you how, what kind of voice are you having even on social media out there is your speech is our speech as the, as the representatives of Jesus Christ is it full of truth are we speaking things that are, that are full of grace? And do we speak with gentleness? Because at any point in time that we're not, we're not following the pattern of our Lord. We're not following the pattern of our Savior. Who if anybody had any justification in, in, in returning evil for evil, it would be him. If anybody would, would, would say, you know what, the worst thing was done to me. The worst thing was done to Jesus Christ. And even on that cross, the Bible says, he didn't repay the evil that was done. You and I have, 
as, 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 as sinners saved by the grace of God, if you're a child of God, it, it, we have no right to step outside of the example that we have in our Lord. And so as much as we think that this, this person needs to hear this, or as much as we think that the, well, we're right, or this, this is going to give them what they deserve, or, or, or wherever we're at in our heart and our mind, the truth is this. Jesus is our supreme example, and we should follow this. Let your speech be with truth. Let our speech be with grace, and let it be with gentleness. Maybe this morning you say, I'm struggling there. I I am in a bad place in my life. I I feel bitter towards uh, people. I, I feel resentful towards this person. I feel... Uh, angry at this, I, 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 I was hurt by that, I was this or that, I want to encourage you. Whatever you got to get straight, don't let it go any longer. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe, maybe this, this, this holiday season you, you enter into Thanksgiving and, and, and you, you dreaded it because you got this problem with a family member. And you all argue and fight and bicker and, 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 and the spitefulness pulls out that spitefulness in you and it, it just becomes a bad witness at Thanksgiving time or Christmas time or whatever. Maybe you just need to come down to this altar this morning and say, God, I want to have that, that heart full of love. I, I want to I follow your example. You, you could have responded any way to anybody at any point in time, and you responded with truth and grace and gentleness. And I want that to be my life. Whether it's my family member that I have a hard time even liking, whether it's a brother or sister in Christ, whether it's a a lost person I work with, whatever. Let's make sure that we're following the example of Christ. And again, if you're here this morning, you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've heard several times that he came to this earth to die on a cross for your sins so that you wouldn't have to spend eternity in a place that he created for Satan, the enemy, his enemy. So I want to, I beg you, to come this morning. Let someone show you out of God's word how you can receive the free gift of eternal life. You don't have to act for anything. You have to do anything. You have to accept it. I beg you to come this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this example. Thank you for your word. God, we, we're so thankful that your truth uh, is available to us. God, that we can seek it or we can, we can hide it in our hearts. God, we can have it as the treasure that we draw from when we speak. Lord, I pray that we would follow your example in this, Lord, that, that we would fill ourselves up with the truth of your word daily. We would be daily in your word. So God, when we talk to people, we respond to people, we too will be full of truth. But even more, we see in your example, Lord, that you are full of grace. Even though these, these Sadducees didn't deserve in our minds for you to respond the way you did, you did so. And, and that grace is beautiful. And help us to have that in our speech as well. God, when we talk and we talk to each other and we talk to the lost and we talk to family members, God, help us also to talk with gentleness. As much as we think that someone deserves to be talked to a certain way, Lord, we, we need to remember that we're representing you. We're representing your kingdom. We're supposed to be being light in this world of darkness. And so help our our speech be full of grace and full of mercy, full of good fruits, full of gentleness, and again, full of truth. 
Lord, move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name.